Welcome back to another episode of the Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Natalie, your host, and today we have Chris back with us to talk about his latest PT article titled The Futility of the Active versus Passive Debate. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Nat. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on board again. So your latest BT article talks about uh, active versus passive investing. You know, this debate has been ongoing for the longest time. Uh, before I even begin, really, what made you want to write this article and this topic again? Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, this debate has been going on for a long time, active versus passive. And it, it's really a, a debate that happens in the investment world. Right? For those of us whom we are laymen, uh, when we say someone is a passive investment manager, we mean that this person uh, doesn't try to beat the market. Mm. Usually we are saying that the investment manager is actually managing an index funds that try to track the index. Right? So he doesn't try to beat the index, he just tries to uh, track the index. And if you invest in this kind of uh, investment, you're going to get market returns. As compared to an active manager, uh, who tries to beat the market. And so from time to time, he might move from equities to bonds and he might change the kind of stocks that he buys in his portfolio uh, frequently. And if the active managers uh, or the active manager does well, then he will, do, he will get a better return than the market. Right? So it seems like when people say that uh, you are a passive manager, it seems like uh, as if you are doing nothing. Mm. Right? So sometimes we have... Uh, people will ask us, right, you know, why do we pay Provident an uh, ongoing fee if you are passive? Because uh, I can do it myself. Mm. I can just put my money with a robo-advisor mm. or I can just buy an ETF that tracks the S&P 500 or the MSCI All-Country Index and then, you know, that's it. I stay invested for the next 10, 20 years. Mm. Why do I need to pay you a fee? So I, I felt the need to explain because... I don't think it correctly describes the kind of work that we do for our clients. Mm. Right? For us, we are neither active or passive. Mm. We are really evidence-based. Mm. We look at evidence to tell us in which area we need to be passive. And in this regard, it is the investment side that we feel that we don't need to be too active because mm. there is enough evidence to show that most times, trying to move in and out of the market, trying to forecast where the markets are going, trying to pick stocks, well, they usually don't do as well. Mm. One should just stay invested, tracking the index or using systematic investing. However, there are a lot of other things that we actively do, not just to make sure that our clients stay invested, but also to make sure that the investments that they invest in will be able to give them enough returns. So behind the scene, there are a lot of things that we do actively. So I'm not too happy when people say that Provident, you are passive. Uh, we are not. We are active when there is a need to be active, but we are passive when there is no need to be active. Understand. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, Provident, because of our investment philosophy, we always talk about focusing on uh, the client's goals when they invest with us. And that's why we emphasize on getting only sufficient returns, mm. right? Instead of blindly chasing after products or investment instruments that give us the highest returns. And this is really to ensure that our client's wealth plan can achieve their life events and goals with higher certainty. And you mentioned in your article how we try to properly estimate the future expected returns of the stock markets. Uh, it's with the Ibbotson-Chan earnings model, mm. right? 
you mind elaborating a little bit more on this model? Yeah. So before I go and explain about this model, I just want to say this, right? So our focus is in helping clients reach their life goals. Yes. That's more important than getting the returns itself. Mm. Right? So we can get the returns, but clients may not reach their life goals. So our focus is about getting clients to ultimately be able to achieve their life goals. Mm. Before we do that, we want to calculate based on the amount of funds that they are going to set aside to invest with us, whether one-time or ongoing basis, mm. what is the return that clients will need in order to be able to achieve that. Mm. right? So for example, let's say Ned, you come to us today and I worked it out that based on the amount that you are going to invest with us, you need 6% return per year to do that. Mm. Next, we need to create a portfolio that is able to give you 6% per year. Yeah. Now how do we do that? We first need to know in your portfolios where there are equities and bonds based on history and based on what is going to happen in the future, we then estimate what these asset classes like equities and bonds they will return you. If I know what equities and bonds will return you or rather if I can have a correct estimate of what equities and bonds will return you, I can then mix and match them in such a way whereby I can give you the 6% you need. And at the same time, it is not too risky whereby you feel uncomfortable. So the estimation is very important, right? Mm. Because if I don't estimate it correctly, mm. the mix and match of the portfolio will be wrong. It might not give you the 6% you need. Or mm. if it gives you the 6%, you might have to take too much risk. Mm. right? So the estimation is very important. And one of the models that can be used mm. to give a good estimate is the Iberson Chen model. Yeah. And we use that model. I mean, there are many other models that you can use, but well, we use this model because it is a good model to use. It's robust enough, but also because one of the inventor of that model is Dr. Peng, yes. who is our senior advisor. Mm. He also advised us uh, in the area of investments and I mean, what even better, right, to have the yes. inventor of that model to advise us on how to use this model to yep. estimate uh, the expected return. Okay. Um, I'm just going to uh, talk a little bit more about the model because you asked what is this model about. Um, well, I'm not the best person to talk about it, but simply put, this model breaks down the component that contributes to the return of equity. Mm. And then based on these components, well, the uh, team, the investment team, look, uh, look at the history at the same time, look forward uh, to what they think the world is going to be to give a correct estimate or to give as close an estimate as possible on the expected returns of equities. Right. Actually, this information on Ibertson Chen earnings model is actually publicly available online. Mm. And if I'm not wrong, it's also part of the Chartered Financial Analyst CFA Level 2 curriculum. So I'm pretty sure it's robust, pretty mm. robust and also credible, like you've mentioned. But... This also means that actually this information is not exclusive used to Provident or any other financial institu institutions. Yeah. Do you know if there are other advisory firms out there or financial advisors out there also using this model to plan for their clients? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, I don't have data to suggest whether uh, financial institutions, they do that or not. Um, but for us, it is very important mm. uh, to do that. Uh, as I mentioned already you know, earlier, uh, why? Because our focus in a, is in achieving clients' life goals. Mm. And one of the key components 
is in making sure that the portfolios that we design can in a reliable way give the returns that the clients need. And mm. so if you just pluck any number from the air, then the portfolio mix may not generate the returns that our clients need. Right? And that is why we are so serious in making sure that we use a scientific approach to estimate uh, the returns of the portfolio. Uh, there is also another reason, an important reason why we do that. Because if things are done scientifically, if we need to adjust it, at least there is a basis to adjust it. Mm. right? Otherwise, there's no basis. We are just plucking numbers from the air. Yeah. Uh, there is no way to make adjustment because there is no basis. And perhaps I just want to elaborate a little bit about this because um, sometimes people don't realize that Wealth planning is an ongoing process. Mm. Why is it ongoing? For example, today, if I'm planning for you, using the same example, you need 6% to achieve your goal. And based on current estimate, your portfolio would give you 6% with that risk that you can take. But five years down the road, maybe you know, markets will change and you know, markets evolve. The world will behave differently, right? Mm. And say maybe now the expected return of your equities and bonds, they are no longer the same as what it is today. Mm. And so I need to make adjustment now to your portfolio to give you still that 6%. Yeah. Right? And I have to have this discussion with you to make the adjustment. But in making those adjustments, maybe now I have to add more equities into your portfolio because the expected returns of equities may have dropped. Mm. And so I've got to add in more equities in your portfolio to give you that same 6%. Mm. But you may not like the risk. Mm. And you as a client actually will come to me and say, okay, I don't like uh, the risk anymore. It's very volatile. Mm. So what do we do? Well, we need to have a good discussion because if you still need 6% and you're not prepared now to take the new risk, mm. then well, you may have to expect a different retirement lifestyle or you might have to put in more money to get the amount that you need to get. Right. Mm -hmm. So you realize that actually it's pretty fluid um, and that is why it is active. Mm. We don't just invest your money and go to sleep and do nothing. Yeah. There's an ongoing work behind to make sure that in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, the portfolio will generate enough money, reach the amount that you need so that you are able to achieve your life goals. Okay. Based on what you have so far described and talked about, it does seem that passive investing in that sense is not as easy as it sounds or not as passive as it sounds. Especially the part on investor psychology, right? And the ability to take risk. And as ironic as it may be, it is true that sometimes simply doing nothing in a bad situation like a bear market it's just very counterintuitive to us as investors. And uh, probably that's where the advisor comes in. So uh, the media also, they don't help at all because they sensationalize the news. They make us feel stupid for not doing something about our investments when our, obviously the value of our investments has dropped. Maybe you could share a little bit about what led you and also the Provident team to have this realization, right? Mm. To be active in this advisory area or rather mm. the need to help your clients keep still in a financial storm were there any past bad experiences you've encountered yeah so i mean for provident we didn't manage 
our clients' money this way in the past. So when we first started 20 years ago, we were pretty active, right? So we use what we call tactical asset allocation, which is exactly how I described it earlier. Mm. Uh, making asset location decisions based on what we think the market would be, moving from equities to bonds, or rather overweighting equities over bonds, and even using actively managed funds. But during the GFC of 2008, we came to the realization that actually it doesn't work. Most of the active managers that we use, uh, they actually perform very badly. Uh, a lot of the managers, they didn't know what to do during the GFC. Some of them moved their monies in cash or the monies in the funds uh, into cash. And then when the market you know, re- uh, recover, uh, they weren't there to capture the returns of the market. Right? And, and so you see the problem there because we can be telling our clients to stay invested for the long term, but the monies that we invest for them through these active managers, they were actually not invested in the market. They were actually in cash. Mm. Right, so we realized that well, it doesn't work, and because of that, since two thousand and eight, we have been slowly moving towards the approach that we are using today, and uh, that has served our clients much better. Understand? I'm sure sometimes it can also be hard to convince clients to do nothing and just stay invested, even if we have the right investment approach, which is evidence based. So. We are, after all, in the service line of business and technically whatever the client says is always supposed to be right, correct? So what happens if a client insists on selling out to cut down on their losses? What do our advisors do? Yeah, I mean, when we said our client is always right, mm. well, that is uh, true, but up to the level that it is their money. Yeah. And so if they want to take it out, we can't stop them, right? But uh, we are stewards uh, to our clients' monies. Mm. And they pay us good money for us to help them make good decisions. So if we know that the decision that they're going to make is going to be harmful for them, uh, we will always tell them. But of course, after doing everything and doing our best that we can, uh, if the clients still want to you know, get out of the market, uh, we can't stop them. So you're right to say that it's not easy to ensure that clients do the right thing. But thankfully, I think we've been doing this for quite a while now. Uh, and it's becoming easier and easier, especially for clients who have been with us for a long time. Because this whole um, uh, turbulence management, this whole crisis management, uh, this whole coaching of clients, they don't just happen when a crisis strikes. They happen from the time we onboard the clients, right? From the time we onboard the clients, we are actually educating the clients. We are letting clients know, you know, uh, our investment philosophy. We are showing them proofs and we are telling them what they should do. We are preparing them, you know, for the day whereby uh, there's going to be a crisis, right? So for clients who have been with us, by the time the crisis hit and we call them, they already know what to do, right? In fact, you know, we even have clients that uh, when we call them, uh, before we even tell them what to do, they are really telling us, I know this is what you want me to do, mm-hmm. right? And that explains why in uh, 2020, uh, when the market collapsed 30%, S&P 500 fell 30%, mm-hmm. uh, we hardly had any redemption. In fact, a lot of our clients started to top up their mm-hmm. portfolios. And in 2022, same, you know, uh, last year was a very bad year for financial markets. Uh, we hardly had any clients uh, sell off their holdings uh, out of because of panic. We had some redemptions, but 
they were mainly due to real needs, whether client needs to buy a property, you know, or they are retiring. Mm. Uh, we had almost no redemptions that were due to panic. Mm. So I think, uh, you know, in, in that regard, we've been quite successful. And that's why when the market started to recover this year, mm. uh, the clients are invested in the markets and they are there to capture the returns of the market. Thanks for sharing all these very interesting insights, Chris, and also providing this very refreshing perspective on this HO debate, passive versus active. I guess that's all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on Chris's latest BT article titled The Futility of the Active versus Passive Debate. A big thank you to Chris once again for joining us. If you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on social media for similar content. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analyses, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.